Maths Drive presents. Oh, got to get ready. Laptop. Plant. That looks nice there. Ooh, cookies. Yum. Notebook. Microphone. Webcam. And coffee, of course. A video podcast where deaf, hard of hearing, and disabled creatives and their allies chat about experiences, best practice, and the future of the arts. The Green Room. Hi. Welcome to the Green Room. This is a weekly interview video podcast and it's organized by the Strive Collective, which is a collaboration between two theatre companies, Deaf Hearing Ensemble and Hot Cold Productions. So we're working together to create Strive and we're producing this project, The Green Room. My name is Erin Hutchins. This is my sign name. I'm a member of the Deaf Hearing Ensemble. I'm a performer, a writer, interpreter, producer. I have a lot of hats. I will be, um, I'm describing myself because some of the people will be receiving this as an audio podcast and some will be receiving it as a video podcast. So let me tell you, I am a white woman. I'm about five foot eight tall. I'm blonde, slightly dyed, have to admit. I'm sitting in front of a gray screen. I'm wearing a blue top, a navy blue top. I live in London, but I'm originally from New Zealand. So I'm kind of a soft New Zealander, a soft Kiwi, because I have an English uh, influence. Um, you're not hearing my voice, however. I'm using British Sign Language, so the voice you're hearing is the voice of an interpreter, Kyra Pollitt. Uh, Kyra, when you're ready, could you describe yourself, please? Hi, folks. I am a white, late 50s woman with silver hair, very short, a very locked down haircut. So I'm kind of relieved you can't see that too clearly. Uh, I am sitting in front of a blue screen. I am wearing a green vintage uh, checked jacket and a black jumper. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Kyra. So the Green Room is running over 12 weeks and each week we'll be interviewing the most exciting people, deaf, hard of hearing, disabled and diverse artists, also some non-disabled industry allies across the UK and internationally. The Green Room is aiming to um, celebrate best practice in the theatre and the arts world. We're aiming to spotlight unsung heroes in the arts. And also we're looking to inspire others to keep access and diversity front and center now and going forwards. We publish these podcasts every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You can find details on our website um, and on YouTube. You can also listen to these as an audio podcast available on the Strive website. So, um, 
you can join in with the conversation if you like on social media uh, using the hashtag the green room underscore UK and share your thoughts, make comments and join in the conversation. Okay, let's get this started. If you're wondering why it's called the green room, let me tell you that in theatres, there's always a specific room where artists, directors, performers, technicians, theatre staff can just sit, relax, unwind, have a cup of tea, eat their dinners, chat. And this is our online virtual green room. So we're not looking to create here a formal interview. This is really a chat. And this week, we've got two exciting people in the green room. I'm really, really excited about meeting them both. Deaf Hearing Ensemble is a deaf hearing theatre company in the UK. And we're looking to chat today to two people who are running a, a very similar organisation in New Zealand called Equal Voices Arts, which in New Zealand sign language is signed Equal Voices Arts. So first, I'd like to ask Laura, uh, sorry, this is your sign name. I've got the wrong sign name. Ah, oh. I'm seeing the name Laura on your screen and I'm actually wanting to invite Rachel, um, sorry, Rachel, to just audio describe yourself a little bit and um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Well, hello. My name is Rachel. That's my sign name. I'm wearing a white top. I've got blonde hair. Um, I've got blue eyes and um, I've got lovely blue um mascara on as well it really sets my eyes off um I, I wear glasses um just my eyes are not that good so without glasses on I can't see a thing so I definitely have to put my glasses on all the time so I have glasses on um I, the background behind me is a wardrobe a wardrobe on one side um, um and I'm sitting next to Laura um you might be wondering why my sign name is as it is um this is harks back to the 90s um, and a hairstyle that I used to often wear with a hairband and a sort of puffy bit at the front. I mean, I don't kind of wear that anymore. I'm older um, and yeah, um, <laughs> not looking the same, but my sign name has stuck. So there it is. Um, so what do I do? So I am a New Zealand Sign Language Consultant. I, of course, work at Equal Voices um, and I also work um, in the production side of things on projects, um, dramaturgy uh, for, for Equal uh, <laughs> Voices for the deaf community. So um, we have a New Zealand sign, which I've just done, which is Kia Ora. Oh, that's for Aotearoa. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's my fault. That's all right. <laughs> yes, yes. Let me just, I've got my pronunciations written here. Aotearoa. I don't know if I said it right, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, um, yeah, we, 
we obviously watch their performances, we watch um, their, the work that they do um, and take influence from that. So one of the things that, of course, is quite key to me is my consultancy work in terms of language. Um, it's not just um, obviously what you see on stage, but how you use the language as well. Um, and I, I, I work as a tutor supporting deaf children um, in New Zealand. And I also work with the government as well. I work with the Ministry of Social Development. And now I will hand over to Laura. Thank you, Rachel. Ah, uh, that is a good point. You're quite right. Uh, thank you. Uh, Rachel, let's introduce your interpreter, Rebecca. Rebecca, could you audio describe yourself? Hello, my name is Rebecca. My sign name is Rebecca. Um, today I'm wearing a black cardigan, a black t-shirt. It's got sparkly bits in it. Um, I'm a black woman. I've got curly, puffy hair. And the background that I'm on today is a green screen. Thank you, Rebecca. So now let's turn to you, Laura. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Laura. Um, I am super excited to be here today. Um, I'll describe myself first. Um, I am a white lady. I have blonde, scruffy hair. Um, I have blue eyes um, that look a little bit tired this morning. Um, so I got woken up very early by my small child. Um, I'm wearing a black t-shirt. I always wear black. Um, bits of clothes, I don't know. Maybe I'm scruffy. <laughs> um, again, I think it's small children around as well. Black hides all of the scruffy hand marks. Um, and yeah, as Rachel said, we're sat um, in front of my white wardrobe because we thought it might be probably the most professional space in my house available um, for this interview and the less distracting, the least distracting. Um, and I get to be sat next to Rachel, which is wonderful. Um, my sign name is Laura which is like the flick from your thumb and your index finger Laura. off your eye. And it was way back in the day, um, I was given this name when I had bright eyes, lots of energy. Um, and like I said this morning, maybe that's not quite <laughs> the same <laughs> as I am representing here today. But, um, but yeah, I shall try and bring some, some morning energy. <laughs> so I'm Laura, nice to meet you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, can you introduce your interpreter, Anna? Anna, could you talk to, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, hi, my name is Anna and my sign name is this. So you pretend you're rolling up your sleeves from your wrist to your elbow, one arm at a time. I'm a white woman, I'm around five foot seven and a half. The half is very important. Uh, today I'm wearing dark green top and my background is light green. So I'm really focusing on the green today. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you everyone. So uh, now that we've met everyone, I guess we're ready to start our chat.
you might notice that we're using two different sign languages today, and that's because Rachel is a native New Zealand sign language user. Um, I'll be using BSL, and so will Anna, the interpreter. So throughout the conversation, you might notice that the interpreters interrupt for clarification. Um, and that's because Rachel very kindly has agreed to adapt her native sign language to British sign language, but it might be possible that there are moments of incomprehension. So if that happens, we might get an interruption here and there. Okay. Um, I kind of want to start with a question for both of you, Rachel and Laura. Um, you work with Equal Voices Arts, this company. If you met somebody who had never seen one of your shows, how would you describe the kind of work you do? What's your, what's your elevator pitch? We, we, I will start. <laughs> um, we make um, work that's very physically bold, um, very visually engaging. Um, we place NZSL on stage with spoken English with equal status. That's the most important thing we do. Um, so in all our productions, um, NZSL and English are not directly translated, but they're given the same priority on stage. So, so yeah, we say that they're explored on an equal, although not identical basis. Um, so not everything that is signed is spoken, not everything that is spoken is signed, um, but overall the dramaturges weave together to provide an accessible um, experience for both deaf and hearing audiences. Um, and that way we can play with the narratives for each community and respect their very different cultural experiences and diversity. Um, and we feel that this placement of language also puts forward a strong political statement of equality. Um, and our work wants to see, or our work is aim, aims to put deaf stories on stage, deaf characters on stage, and performing in their first language. We explore deaf culture, deaf worldview. Um, yeah, so that's kind of equal voices. Um, what else to say? With the NZSL inspires the physical score and the choreography for our work, very movement orientated, um, kind of exploring sign dance theater as well. Um, uh -huh. So we've developed a theatrical language where we tell our story through physical theatre and it's inspired by and can take structure from um, some of the conventions of sign language. Um, but we love making a shared communicative um, and a shared imaginative space that both deaf and hearing audiences can access as well. So we play with all of these ideas in our work. Um, we like to craft worlds with our hands and our bodies. We play with visual language, VB, um, we play a lot, really. We play with bodies in the space a lot. Um, we always start with the body and we always start with NZSL. Other languages just follow. Oh, sorry, we nearly lost you there. Um, sorry, we've got a really awkward table set up here. Yeah, I think it's. I thought that was an earthquake. I know New Zealand's prone to earthquakes. So, um, sorry, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm from Christchurch, so I know that you're in a different part of the island, right? 
so yeah we do work with the physical side of it and, and the visual side is also very strong we don't actually rely on anything written we actually put that to one side and work with the physicality of the language and look at how that can craft the work it's really key that we use NZSL and that we make sure that we keep true to the roots of that the community and the culture here so the visual aspect is is key it's very strong and that's a big feature of our work um, and working in collaboration with those two elements as well wow everything you've told me has just made me feel that that's so similar to the deaf hearing uh, ensemble you know i mean the way you work um and I, I know that there are other companies in the UK doing something similar too. You've mentioned, uh, Laura, you mentioned, you, you talked about sign dance there. And I know that you started some time ago when you were 17 um, in a sign dance company, right? Common Ground? And that you learned to sign as a result of that work. And then I think after that, you established Equal Voices Arts. And I think I'm right in thinking that was set up in Britain in the first place, in the UK. So could you talk us through how you established the company? Yeah, so yeah, Common Ground, um, that was my first professional acting gig um, at the tender age of 17, um, which was very exciting. I was actually, um, I was in a youth theatre show in Manchester um, and I'd had some issues with my hearing. I had a really bad ear infection and hear too well at the time um, and I think the choreographer noticed me kind of stood on stage <laughs> couldn't really <laughs> follow what was going on and she started signing to me she's um, uh, Isolde Avila uh, the um, choreographer for, for Common Ground and yeah so I met up with the company and and I got really lucky and they invited me to go on tour with them um, so wow that was amazing um, and yeah I got to learn from deaf artists, which is just mind-blowing, really. Um, I feel so lucky. It's incredibly privileged. Um, and I was with Common Ground for about eight or nine years on and off. Um, and I, in the meantime, whilst I was working with them, I trained as a physiotherapist. Uh, so I was always really interested in oh. the body um, as a main uh, kind of site of performance. Um, so yeah, I kind of straddled working as a physiotherapist and working with Common Ground um, and Common Ground worked with deaf-led company, um, deaf yeah. hearing artists, um, often collaborated with disabled artists, non-disabled artists. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, this was the culture I was kind of brought up in, in my formative years, um, rehearsing in, in Liverpool back in the day. Um, and it, when I left Common Ground, I set up Equal Voices Arts I was getting asked to run um, lots of community-based projects, um, mostly for young disabled, non-disabled, deaf and hearing young people. Um, and so the roots of the company are really in community work, which I loved um, and I still love. Um, and then, this is where I get confused with chronology, so literally, <laughs> yeah, the company started <laughs> work in England. Um, and then I did the master's study, I did a PhD, which was brought together kind of physiotherapy, the kind of neuroscience, psychophysical awareness, performance, body, fluency, et cetera, et cetera. Did the PhD um, and had a baby at the same time, which was 
possibly not to be recommended. Um, and You're very brave. <laughs> it, was, it was slightly crazy time. I remember I was eight and a half months pregnant when I handed in my thesis. Um, but good, good timing, good timing, managed, managed that deadline. Um, and yeah, well, I had this little baby and I thought, you know, time to get, time to look for maybe a job that's regular regular pay after years uh -huh. of being a freelance artist um and yeah I I saw this job that I, it, it was a the University of Waikato um this lecturer so I thought oh why not I've done lots of teaching at universities around and conservatoires around, around the UK so, oh I'll try um never in a million years thought that I would get it and they flew me here for an interview, which was amazing. So I left oh. my little baby um, and my, my husband in England, flew off, solo journey, exciting. And then I remember I was just um, driving about an hour away from where the university is, this beautiful little coastal town of Raglan in the North Island on the Nebbi, straight the West Coast. And I was just stood at the top of Narinum Beach, this beautiful beach, and I got a phone call. The university said you've got the job wow. so i facetimed my husband said they've offered me this job what do we do <laughs> and he said oh my god show me what you can see and i showed him what i could see and he could see waves and he's a surfer so he said let's toss a coin babe heads we're going so we tossed a coin heads it was off we go and there, three months later, we were here, um, which was <laughs> quite amazing. And I'm so, so happy that I got to, yeah, come and have this amazing adventure. So, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Wow. So you moved to New Zealand, right? And I understand the move because actually at the same time, I grew up in New Zealand, so I moved from New Zealand to the UK. So I know how disorientating that can be. New life, new job, meeting new people. It's a really, it's really overwhelming. Um, so how did you, why did you um, decide that you wanted to set up Equal Voices Arts, um, you know, New Zealand edition? Um, how did that come about? Well, when I arrived here, I really missed the deaf community. It was such a huge part of my life. Um, and I missed working with deaf actors. Um, deaf actors are masters of storytelling. Um, no one understands telling stories through the body <laughs> like deaf performers. Um, and I, I missed that. And I arrived here and I, I was, you know, looking and seeing where, where I might find some, some um, people that I could go meet and introduce myself to. Um, and yeah, I couldn't find any, any little hubbubs of, of, of activity going on. Um, so I thought maybe I could set something up and at least meet members of my local deaf community. So we started the same routes as in England, just started through the community really. Um, and I kind of, you know, went through various organizations just to consult with the deaf communities there. Maybe they, you know, maybe they don't want a strange English person turning up trying to, let's do some theater. <laughs> um, but actually, no, they were so warm, so um, welcoming, and the resounding uh, message from the consultations was, yeah, we'd love to do some of that. 
So we set up a workshop um, in Hamilton and like loads of people came, like 18, 20 people. Yeah. Oh, this is the time for Hamilton. For Hamilton. Yeah. Why is that the sign? Do you know? Okay, so this goes because of the um, rugby team, the chief um, kind of rugby team, basically. <laughs> um, he's got a, a, a very large arm and hand, and so ah, that's okay. very recognizable. So we do that. <laughs> okay. So, um, is that how the two of you met in the workshop that you'd established? Is that where you first met? Yeah. So, okay, coming to you then, Rachel, I know that you are very experienced in education as a tutor of New Zealand Sign Language as well. So, had you always wanted to get involved in theatre or was it something that just you just got involved in because of Equal Voices or...? So yes, I do work in the educational arena and that's what I've done for the majority of my time. I absolutely love working with deaf children and actually giving them the opportunity to, you know, experience New Zealand Sign Language. But um, in terms of working in the um, community um, at this workshop, this workshop is kind of where we met. So um, my husband and I um, went over to this workshop, you know, we were quite keen to kind of step our foot into the theatre waters. We hadn't done anything like that before and there'd been nothing like that that happened here um, in New Zealand. So, um, Sean, um, this is his sign name, Sean, um, you know, walked in um, and of course, um, Equal Voices um, was there. So, you know, I, I, I had work commitments so I couldn't actually attend. Um, <laughs> I had some work commitments so I, I kind of was, we have the, the same sign commitment commitment yeah yeah <laughs> i was like i want to go to this theater workshop but i've just started this new job and so i've got this i have to be kind of committed to that unfortunately but um yeah my heart was actually kind of in the theater workshop so that show the end of my hands was to do with um the oppression that um people in the community had experienced to do with language as well and um we had um, lots of obviously performers that were in that as well. So there were a total of six um, performers in that. Um, so Sean, um, he, yeah, kind of made the link with Equal Voices. I would love just to add in a little bit about Sean. Sean Fahey, um, surname F-A-H-E-Y, walked into this community theatre workshop. And I have never seen an actor like him in my life. He looked like he trained at Lecoq in France, the famous wow. school. Yeah. His movement was stunning. Charisma, energy, engagement. Oh, yeah, yeah. This man was just like, and yeah, he, he blew us all away. Um, and he wasn't the only one in the room that was excellent. There was so much talent in the room. So yeah, for the first production, we cast four deaf actors. And Rachel had an eye on Rachel as well, but she that's the she was committed with, with work. Um so she thought, oh, I'm gonna do the work thing and let Sean go and be a superstar, which is 
which is what happened for the <laughs> for the first and second show. So we cast Sean in the, in the second show as well that we did for Equal Voices that went on to tour um, internationally. I put it in. I'll let you. So the second show, Salonica. 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 Okay. So Laura asked me um, to come on board as the New Zealand Sign Language Consultant on that. Um, and it was to provide... Uh, to provide NZSL consultation. Okay. So she was in rehearsal in Liverpool? In Liverpool, yeah. Is that the right sign, Liverpool? It is. Yep, Liverpool. That's the sign. Sorry, I was trying to remember. Well done. No, well done. That's amazing. Great. Um, and so, yeah, it was a small tour that was just kind of in the north of the country, north of England. And then we. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I was gutted because it didn't come to London. There were no London performances. And so I missed it. Oh, and I was just so gutted. I know. It's just because all of the time was so tight. We only had two weeks. So we didn't have time to come anywhere further south. We wanted oh. to, but we couldn't. And it was my first time kind of touching foot in the UK, which was oh, yeah. a phenomenal experience in itself. It was such a culture shock. <laughs> and I said to Laura, oh my goodness, I want to go home. I'm not used to all of this. And it was so different, but yeah you know, all of the history and the heritage, New Zealand just kind of, yeah, I suppose we're a bit kind of smaller and we're kind of don't have the same level of history that you guys have. So it was just, everything was amazing. A beautiful country. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we went to Serbia and um, we went Belgrade. to Belgrade, which was again phenomenal experience such a big deaf community there the audience was absolutely packed and i just felt like we really connected with them it was just such a natural connection um so then yes we returned um and we returned to montenegro montenegro thank you so um yeah it was um down by by the sea there um again we met a lot of deaf people there as well so many deaf people and it was it was such a surprise to see how many people were interested in the theater show that we we're putting on it, it really kind of made waves um and then we went to met denise armstrong oh sorry <laughs> we went to meet denise um uh, and again, that was another phenomenal experience. It was, it was really, we were just soaking up every single thing that we could from her. And my time there, um, you know, it was more looking at how can we explore different ideas from different perspectives. It was, it was very inspiring and definitely opened my mind to a lot of, to a lot of things. So um, it was also looking at the, the, the language as well, you know, comparing things and just seeing where things blended and where things melded together between BSL and um, New Zealand Sign Language as well. So when we finished over there, we, we, we came back and um, um, the tour then continued from the North Island right, right down. Um, and again, um, sadly, um, Sean fell ill at that point and, and his health did deteriorate um, quite rapidly. Um, 
and we had actually had plans to go to Australia, but that, that, that didn't come to fruition because unfortunately he passed away. Um, and of course that was completely gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching for me. Um, and, it, you know, I wanted to honor his legacy, um, <laughs> honor um, Sean's legacy because, you know, he was one of the first, he was the first deaf actor, one of the first deaf actors here, you know, he was a, a phenomenal person in, in this capacity. He'd, you know, gone across the world, toured many different places, um, you know, being such a founder. Um, and so that's kind of where Equal Voices kind of gave me that opportunity. Um, yes, I am kind of from the language aspect, the consultant there, but um, I, I do lead together with Laura and, and having that affinity and working together, actually, it's just like you find, find a family in, in that, you find yourself a home in that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Um, I, I was I'm so I'm so disappointed to have missed that performance because I, I read about um, it being the first I think Sean was the first deaf actor on stage in Serbia ever wasn't he I think that was uh, you know that's yeah. just an amazing thing what an amazing experience. Oh, huge national theatre beautiful um and first time ever that the national theatre got to open opened its doors to to the deaf community so they could access yeah. um a show and we when we finished the show we came out and rachel and i were sat in the audience watching it all fill up thinking wow you know good good house um and we walked out and it, at the end of the show and shot she walks out yeah. to this blitz of all of these people, um, you know, really wow. to meet him and waving and pictures. And <laughs> like the Beatles, right? <laughs> like a superstar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And actually, when we were kind of sitting there, we were kind of like hoping and praying that, you know, it, it would be it would be okay but when you looked around and saw everybody's faces um you know you could see how many people were there and it was just kind of making sure that people could you know relate to the show and enjoy it and we were looking at all of their expressions and their reactions but you could see that they totally fell in love with it it was brilliant it was so, so lovely to see and experience the feedback as well and see the real reactions and, and see the impacts of that. And again, you know, people were saying, we really want more of this, we really want more of this. There was a big appetite for it. I'm sure, and, and, and I hope that after people have, uh, you know, saw that, they were inspired to kind of put on performances themselves, perhaps local deaf people set up their own little groups. <laughs> so, and, and perhaps that will come back again after yeah. COVID, right? No. <laughs> I'm really interested in, um, I was reading about Denise Armstrong and the fact that you'd worked with her uh, and she's a, a British deaf creative, you know, she's from the UK, of course. And um, I, I believe she was showing you some BSL technical terms for, uh, for, for theatre terms. And 
that you didn't have those equivalents uh, specific technical theatre terms in New Zealand sign language. So from what I can understand, Rachel, you were kind of looking at those and kind of thinking about the integrity of signing in Aotearoa and, uh, and how those signs could be adapted to New Zealand sign language. Could you tell us a bit more about that? So um, in terms of before equal, equal Voices, there wasn't any specific glossary vocab or anything that was assigned to, to this kind of arena of work at all and we alongside Denise as well worked to kind of bring that to birth really we wanted to be able to look at how we could formulate linguistics around that and it was looking at the meaning of these things and how 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 we could use the language in that way and it was an explorative process. So what we would do is we would um, look at our different ideas, see how that could resonate, see if that could be taken on board and, and was logical and worked with it that way. Um, so for example, um, in BSL, we sign, what is that, sorry? Energy, we that. sign energy. Energy, that's right, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. We talked about energy in, in the theatre space. This was the energy. We use energy or energy is another sign of scene. So also, yeah, we have two, two different signs that, that we use. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, it, it, it just didn't seem right to use that sign in that way within the context that we wanted to in the theatre arena. So we came up with this sign as I'm doing it now ah, uh -huh. um, to do with, you know, the, the, the vibe and the, so the way similar to the di to dynamics, really, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? Dynamics. Yeah. Dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, improvise. Okay, so in terms of improvise, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not anything to do with um, the sign, like improvement, for example. So, what we had to do was look at that and explore it. And I, I did question that, and we looked at how we could do that and just decide the right. Um, morphology that we wanted to use and so we came up with this as I'm doing now oh, that's lovely what a beautiful sign and it's it's very creative it shows that you're I really like you can see the creativity in it yeah, yeah. it's nice yeah. we use this at deaf hearing ensemble improvise because yeah. of that kind of ideas popping up and um, coming out yeah. from your from your gut from your mind <laughs> you know instinct yeah when we when we when we started we there was just no, that word just wasn't in the vocabulary at all. So we, uh -huh. that was like makeup, we were trying lots, but then there's time that when the hearing people step out of the space and we hand over to, to Rachel um, and any of the deaf participants in the space and they have um, kind of yeah, a meeting, corridor discussion about how they develop um, those signs, which is really amazing to, to watch those get birth almost yeah yeah do you have any other examples for us rachel yeah as laura said yeah it's really key that we keep the roots of our language alive when we're doing this um so there was a new a new actor called torah and a new actor for equal voices is called torah sign name torah called Torah and um sorry sorry German, first, first language German sign language and um 
so for Rachel, she's the deaf representative and the NZSL consultant in the space. So it sounds like you've met um, artists using BSL, artists using German sign language. You've had so many kind of, uh, so much input, so much ability and opportunity to kind of uh, consult with them and talk with them, and then to kind of consider your own native New Zealand sign language and think about the integrity of that language and, and what might develop from that. So, NZSL is in the same family, rooted in the same family of sign languages as BSL is. Um, and there are um, some, yeah, similarities between them both, especially um, in terms of uh, Māori concept signs for Aotearoa. Um, so I, I identify as Māori as well, and, um, you know, the, the, the history, the culture, everything that comes with that, all the language and the nuances as well, mean so much to me. Am I right in um, my understanding that Māori sign language has been a kind of more recent, uh, recently emerged? Because when I was a child, um, people didn't really talk about that very much. That, that, that there were few signs for Maori concepts, you know. Um, when when we were at school, we learned about you know spoken Maori language, but not um, Maori signs. Yeah, as you say, there isn't actually an official sign language um, for Maori. Actually, um, it's actually something that's been um, there's the concepts behind that. So, for example, the Marae. Marae. Um, is a concept that has been created and that we've assigned a sign to. Um, Aotearoa is also another one. Um, New Zealand Sign Language is another one. And it's it's all harked in the history. I just love that sign, Aotearoa. Oh. <laughs> and it's to do with, you know, the community there use the same language. So um, uh, sign the New Zealand Sign Language, but the, Ma the Maori concepts do come into that if that's how they identify. What is what makes NZSL wow. so unique, um, I think. Uh, and yeah, Rachel's often said, you know, this is what makes, because they are part of the same family, NZSL, ESL, Auslan, but it's it's very culturally, linguistically unique, um, NZSL, and that's something that I needed to be incredibly mindful of and respectful of as a hearing Pakeha woman coming from England to New Zealand and part of the ethic. Pakiha was the word there if uh, anybody missed it. Yeah, yeah from, from European, European descent. Um, it's uh, P-A-K-E-H-A, -E Pakiha. And that was my, from an ethical perspective, that was one of my most important considerations, which is why I work so closely with with Rachel. Um, so I didn't want BSL to bleed into NZSL, for example. Um, and, and yeah, we're trying to move this towards being a very deaf-led space. Um, so yeah, this is all part of the, all part of the process, is kind of retaining the uniqueness um, of NZSL and leaving all of those decisions in the hands of the first language users. So I step way away. And yeah. 
concentrate on, you know, directing actors. Um, and Rachel does the rather massive job of being in linguistic and cultural context. Wow. That's really interesting. <laughs> it, I, I, I know. Wow. <laughs> so, um, in theatre, we have um, the role of the BSL consultant here, uh, which sounds pretty similar. So, um, they feed back on the use of language, kind of slightly di directorially with the actors, um, particularly uh, if specific characters might, uh, uh, you know, use specific signs related to, you know, the time in which the play is set and so on. I've recently been talking to some American deaf people who say they have a role of um, DASL, which is Director of Arts and Sign Language. I think that is a beautiful title, right? Very interesting. And um, the, I think attaching the word director to the role really gives it the kind of status that it, that it deserves and places the deaf um, consultant alongside the hearing director. Dramaturgy. Like dramaturgy, really, you know. That's, um, that's, that's, and I that's, think that's really, you know, they because they are feeding back on the dramaturgy, aren't they? Really. That's that's how we work really closely together. So Rachel's with me in rehearsal all the time. Um, and Rachel is directing our hearing performers in particular, um, if they're signing. Mm -hmm. Um she's picking, making those linguistic choices we were talking about. Um, but also yeah. because we're kind of exploring with amplification of sign as we move into sign dance, as we play with the theatrical possibilities of working with sign language, that's where Rachel will come in and have very much of a directorial polish view. I mean, her eye for detail is incredible, <laughs> my standpoint, hence why, you know? Um, and so, yeah, we make a really, really good team. I do the big the overview and she'll hone in with the detailed polish um yeah that is how we work yeah, together actually often and we'll have it works really well um and it's kind of it's not necessarily that you know one of us is any better than the other actually it's a bit more like a synergy so we work together in parallel equal um and that's how we accomplish what what we do which is yeah which is beautiful and often rachel will be in kind of control of the of the deaf perspective and the the uh -huh. kind of like the deaf dramaturgy and i'll take care of the yeah kind of physical the hearing dramaturgy so that's how things weave weave together um which works really well uh, it's a brilliant model i think of accessible accessible theater and inclusive theater and uh, that brings me on to my next question rather neatly actually segues quite smoothly um Whenever I talk to people in Britain, I'm always really proud of being from New Zealand because, uh, you know, Jacinda, the Prime Minister, always has an interpreter next to her. And there's been a real campaign in the UK recently about there being a lack of interpreter whenever there's been any announcements from the government. And deaf people have been very stressed. It's all over social media. Hashtag, where is the interpreter? Um, so um, there's a deaf person called Lynn who has been... Um, campaigning with the hashtag where is the interpreter and trying to put pressure on the government in the UK and she's done an amazing job 
Um, but I always think New Zealand's so much better and, you know, sign, New Zealand sign language was recognized yeah. as an official yeah. sign language, one of the, 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 the three official languages in 2006, which is pretty amazing. Um, so I feel in some ways New Zealand is so much, uh, you know, so far in advance of where we are here in the UK in terms of access. But when we focus in specifically on theatre, I'm less sure about that because I rarely see deaf or disabled-led theatre coming out of New Zealand. So I'm interested in your perspective on that. Do you feel New Zealand has, well, what is happening with uh, deaf and disabled theatre in New Zealand now? And also, what, what are your uh, ambitions for the future? What are your hopes for the future of that in New Zealand? I think we are very fortunate in that we do have um, access um, provided here for our community. Um, again, um, we have almost interpreters all, all across um, the country. So um, the only thing is that theatre itself is, is not as accessible. There are some very few interpreted um, uh, um, performances and there are some um, deaf actors um, but it's rarely that things are performed in their first language. So aside from what we do here at Equal Voices Arts there are other projects that we put on as well. We've been working with someone from the Maori community. Um, it's with an actor named Sian and his surname is like yeah, this. Rachel's talking about a, um, a different project, not an Equal Voices project that we've just been working on in regard to um, sign interpreted um, shows. So I've been directing another piece with a young Maori artist called Sian, um, and we were making an NZSL interpreted version of this piece. So Rachel actually has been brought on as a director of interpretation. So instead of having the interpreter in the corner of the room, we've actually embedded them within the action creatively in the space. Um, so you don't have to have that kind of split looking um, across and missing some of the action. Um, so, yeah, really good visibility for deaf audiences and hopefully much better connection. That show That's will be really debuting this weekend and I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, um, uh, it will be nice to have a deaf-led um, show so that we'll be having that this weekend will be the first interpreter um, as part of the ensemble on stage um, so we've got everybody coming to see that and we're Ooh, very much that's so, that is and so exciting we're, we're, we're excited because um, that's that's a show that's been uh, it's a show yeah that I directed away from equal voices with a hearing actor it's with um, okay. uh, yeah, the project but um, be able, being able to get the Equal Voices team to come on board with providing, I mean, we've not done this before because we don't, our work doesn't need interpretation. Um, so it's been quite interesting right. to kind of work together as a team and have, yeah, deaf leadership in that space of interpretation for deaf audiences um, has been really exciting. Um, so yeah, that, that goes out for the first time on Saturday. Fingers crossed there's no changes in alert levels. Ah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, with um, wow, I am, I'm so, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. When I go to the, well, I think, well, when was the last time I went to the theatre? Last year, maybe more. I mean, it, I mean, it must have been March before the first lockdown <laughs> here, which is like a year ago. Um, so 
you're talking about having interpreters uh, shadowing the actors, working alongside the actors. And we've had quite a lot of that here in the UK. What, um, as a performer myself, and also as an interpreter, I have fulfilled that role in the past. But I think what I've started to see now is a shift towards actor interpreters. Um, so they're not, uh, they are qualified interpreters, but they actually have a role in the piece. You know, they are there as a character, they are there as a performer. And I think that works pretty well, actually. So um, does your show have interpreters who are also characters, Pat? Um, no, this one is a one-woman show. Um, and the, the main actor, Sian, she plays lots of different characters. And it's all done physically. Um, it's really simple space. So it's interesting to watch the two work together with the interpreter. So the interpreter's kind of shadowing, but there's moments where we've made it a little bit more creatively embedded. Um, particularly with the role shifting, because obviously we're borrowing conventions from sign there, so we're being very respectful um, of of that idea, um, and yeah, using it to create kind of much better access for for deaf audiences with regard to interpreted work. But this is quite new for us, and we, like I say, the voices doesn't work with interpretation. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get in there. Just elbow her. Yeah, I'll, 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 I will. <laughs> and this is this is a first kind of foray into how this would work. Um, you know, um, this is the first time actually that that this will be happening on, on Saturday. Um, so we are hoping that, um, you know, possibly there will be um, deaf people that could actually kind of do this actually in, in the future. This is the plan anyway. Uh. The vision is to kind of train up deaf interpreters to be in that space. Um, for this step, just because of funding and time, um, we, the hearing interpreter did the original translation and then Rachel um, took the role of the director of interpretation so she then would work closely with the interpreter, um, um, our wonderful interpreter Melissa, who you see a lot actually interpreting for Jacinda as well. Um, so we're, we're very lucky to have her. Ah. Um, and so that's our wonderful team um, for this Saturday. Um, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're excited. I have to ask a really, really important question here. So the Prime Minister Jacinda, I mean, everyone in Britain is just like, we are just huge fans of her. Does she have a sign name? Yeah, it's like this, Jacinda. Jacinda, Jacinda. She's got a massive smile, hasn't she? She does, yeah. She's brightly, so this is her sign name. Jacinda, okay, that's perfect. I love that, it really suits her. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm just going to have a little look through my list of prompt questions and just check that I've uh, covered them. I think we're really keen to know what's next for the company, Equal Voices Arts, but also what's next for each of you. Do you have next steps, projects coming up? What's, what's happening? um we well like i said we feel 
incredibly privileged at the moment to be able to make make things and be in a space yeah. together. Um, it's it's been quite a uh, well a huge year for the world, um, obviously, and with our project where our shadows meet, we had planned this beautiful international project working with Denise Armstrong, who we talked about from the UK. She was meant to fly in, um, Rachel, myself, full deaf hearing team. And because of, of lockdown, plans changed. Um, during that rehearsal process, we also had all our lockdowns here in New Zealand. So we had to jump onto Zoom and do Zoom rehearsals which is not quite the same, particularly felt sorry for Denise zooming in at one o'clock in the morning from England. Um, oh. Somehow that woman has such good energy. That is commitment. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's quite an amazing force of nature, that lady. Um, so yeah, we just have to get creative and accept and let go of what we imagined it would be, which is kind of like the process anyway. So um yeah yeah so yeah we did and and it's taken a long time in fruition but we were so proud to be able to premiere the piece in january to um a full house here in hamilton really emotional it was a really emotional response actually um and it it, it hit us more than i, I expected it, it would um but i think it was because there was a combination of the show itself is quite emotionally impactful, but also being able to be in an audience together um, and experience that together just felt incredibly privileged. So, so we got to make this piece. So our immediate plans yeah, we for the future are... Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, the impact on the deaf community, um, you know, they could really identify. It's almost just like it opened them up emotionally actually and meant that they could you know recognize and see the honesty of how it related to them and their lives um you know how deaf people grow up and how the education system is and you know societal things um you know where the the access or lack of access the barriers actually are in terms of using a visual language sign language and actually looking at the bridge between the deaf community and the hearing community you know um there's no kind of harm in looking at those things and actually experiencing it but yeah the impact was was phenomenal and people really had an appetite for it so it does come down to kind of financing and funding sometimes we do have to kind of get that in order to be able to put these things on but um we are hopeful that we can get there good news this week just have um, a word with jacinda we <laughs> um we uh good news this week is that the piece um which is called where our shadows meet um we were invited to pitch uh at pans which is performing arts network new zealand and it's the, the arts market here, but it also goes out internationally as, as, as well. And it's been all online this year, um, the pitches. So we pitched on Monday, um, NZSL leading the way, uh, me and Siam voicing in the background um, for Rachel and Tora, um, who pitched the show for on behalf of the company. And that was the first time a deaf and hearing theatre company has been pitching at that at that level here which is super exciting 
So the immediate plans are that we hope um, that other theatres will invite the performance um, to go and perform there. Um, Well, we'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed for that too. Yeah. <laughs> and what about individually? What's next for you as individuals? Um, for me, it would be hoping to train up, you know, more deaf people um, and also expansion in our work in terms of, you know, the shows and everything. We, we really want to do that raise awareness build awareness um amongst deaf and hearing audiences actually and just just to unite the two um as well as that you know of course we would love to carry on with what we're doing in equal voices <laughs> um, um I, I definitely couldn't step apart from that because there's such a pool of inspiration from there that i i couldn't ever step away from it it's it's completely consuming in a positive way so yeah that, that means so much to me say yeah you said it better. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, just more. No. We, we have actually been we've been establishing more um, opportunities for um, to, to train uh, the deaf community here. So with COVID, we actually provided some online um, masterclasses. We got to work with the amazing Jean St. Clair. Erin, you know Jean. Oh, <laughs> we all love Jean. We all love Jean. She's my favourite. Jean St. Clair has been my BSL consultant for TV when I was acting on TV for theatre. Um, and I was also in a theatre piece with her last year, just before lockdown, um, called The Process. Um, I mean, she's just, it was one of my favourite shows and I just love Jean St. Clair. Yeah, she's brilliant. She did brilliant work herself here. And again, always difficult because of the time differences. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Denise ran a workshop. Um, Denise has actually flown across here. So we've led full, like a, a three, three day masterclasses um, in, in sign theater as well. So, so we're really hoping to provide more training opportunities because there aren't that many here in New Zealand. Um, and there are very few opportunities um, deaf performers so that's something that we're both really passionate about um so i hope we'll get more chances to provide that um and then yeah i think just i'm um, just you know pr praying that things improve worldwide soon and that we can go and see family and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think we all want to go home yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in the meantime, I'm so grateful for things like this. This has been so beautiful. I've been wanting to meet Erin for so long. Because um, I heard oh. about, <laughs> we have lots of mutual yeah, friends. Um, I was talking to an amazing uh, mentor of mine, Kate O'Reilly. Erin, you, you've worked on one of her. Ah, projects. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I acted in a show called Peeling. Yeah, yeah. That show. Um, she's always been a huge inspiration. I met her working with Common Ground, um, and yeah, she's she's amazing. But uh, yeah, yeah well, I've heard so much about your work, your work with the deaf and hearing theatre ensemble, um, and I've always reflected on our kind of opposite journeys <laughs> and always felt like yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? You grew up in Britain, moved to New Zealand. I grew oh, up in New Zealand, moved to Britain. Yeah, I mean. I was just going to say, actually, um, 
of course I, I do work in the education arena as I, as I said but um yeah sometimes when um you know I'm asked to kind of teach deaf children in, in context of theatre so that could be for an end of year school play for instance and it's really nice to be approached in that context and to see them up on stage at the end performing um yeah I really look forward to, to seeing that it's great to see the development of their performances I remember oh sorry <laughs> I'm using my voice now. I'll go back to not doing that. Um, I remember the first performance that I saw, oh, so long ago when I was small, that had sign language in it, had New Zealand sign language in it. And that was at the school at Nav Ash, where my sister ben went. Ash, ben Ash, yeah. Where my sister went. And my mum worked there. My sister went to school there. And so I saw the performance there. And I remember, I can't remember what show it was, but I think it was maybe Christmas Carol or something like that. And I was just amazed. That it was like my first experience. I was so, I just loved it. It was just, yeah, amazing. Oh, wow. Yes, when I was growing up, there wasn't any theatre like that either. There were only interpreters on stage during the storytelling. There weren't any live theatre performances like we have now back then. Well, unfortunately, we are going to run out of time shortly. Oh. Uh, so I'd like to thank you both so much. But before we wind up, I just want to do a little quick fire round, OK? So I'm going to give you a couple of choices, uh, this or this. And you have got to follow your gut instinct and respond as quickly as you can. <laughs> Go with your first response. Okay. Um, some questions have a little bit of a New Zealand flavour to them, just to warn you about that. And just to warn the audience, you might not be aware of those, uh, those New Zealand specific things. So are you ready? Okay, we're going to start simple here. So theatre oh, you know uh, both of you both of you both of you please. Ah, both of us there you go <laughs> okay okay but we do need rules okay okay so uh rachel first then laura okay that's how it's going to work and then take it in turns <laughs> like that all right okay yes me first <laughs> right okay let's go are we ready theatre or film Theatre or film? Uh, theatre. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, always, always theatre. Because it, it's Sorry, the I'm real sure. life aspect of it. Uh-huh. You know, it's just more fascinating. On film, you know, I don't know if that's real or fantasy, but when you're watching it, you're seeing it all in 3D right before your eyes. Face to face, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that connection that you feel um, with live performance, yeah. Okay, next question then. So I'm just gonna let the audience know this is a drink. So LMP or Coke? Uh, my favorite LMP. <laughs> I'm going for LMP. I'm Yay! Uh, the the Aotearoa yeah. option, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm letting New Zealand down, but I don't like LMP. She's so gonna go for Coke. Coke for me. <laughs> You're gonna go for Coke. Oh, oh. Yeah, boo. <laughs> yeah, boo to that. 
And actually, sorry, I'm not being rude when I'm saying this. I'm, I'm saying Coke. I know in BSL, this is something completely different. No, I, no, I that's, 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 that's a different sign in BSL. No. Yes, this is what we sign for Coke. I know, it's very different. So you ask for Coke exactly like that. I know in the UK, in England, that a very different kind of Coke. You don't uh-huh. use that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little rude that sign yeah, actually, here. Actually, not. Maybe we should edit this part out. Actually, no, no. I think we should keep that in. <laughs> okay, moving on to next question, though. Uh, this is not anything serious, dear sir. Ski or swim? Or swim. Okay. Then swim for me because I broke my ribs the first time I went skiing. <laughs> And I and I can't and I can't ski because um, yeah I can't I always kind of can't get the, the skis in the right way they always just cross over each other so I never get anywhere um, yeah so it's swimming swimming's much more relaxing it's a bit, you can switch off and just swim away and yeah it's it's more therapeutic dangerous <laughs> okay uh yeah perhaps not then yeah um okay uh sleep or dance oh <laughs> yay yeah party party yeah definitely and it's just more yes sleep i mean <laughs> that means anyway <laughs> Some people actually that. like sleep. Some people like it. No, don't we get a good feeling? <laughs> okay then. Which did you pick? Okay, so maybe both. Sleep dancing. <laughs> Not sleep walking. No, no, no. You'll fall over if you do sleep dancing. Actually, no. Sounds very risky. We can't uh, sleep and dance at the same time. That's not quite possible. So, yeah, you'd be all, all over the place, wouldn't you? Okay. Well, interesting to explore that, actually, in a performance. That's uh, yeah, that's true, actually. That's true. <laughs> okay, I'm going to come to the last one. Guys, last question, last question. Um, and this is about biscuits. And how do you sign that in uh, oh, New Zealand Sign Language? Biscuits. Uh, biscuits or biscuits, biscuits like this. You've got two options. Okay. So I'm going to those because I don't know the signs for these particular biscuits, but I'm going to ask you whether you would prefer Tim Tams or Toffee Pops. <laughs> uh, Tim Tams for me. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, I love the kind of, you know, the melty bit inside of the Tim Tam. I absolutely love that, actually. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and if you've got chocolate on, um, uh, the coffee, sorry, on in milk. In the mug, yeah. Tim Tam in that. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's brilliant stuff. Yeah, you're I right. Pops for me. Toffee Pops. Oh, typical you, Toffee Pops. You just eat them in that pit. <laughs> Tim Tams, there's so much flavour and, you know, you've got soft bits and you've got, yeah, you've got all sorts of Tim Tam. <laughs> I like both. I like both. When I was 21 and I moved to Melbourne in Australia, and my mum visited me and she would always bring me like so many Tim Tams and Toffee Pops. 
like 10 packets, you know, just stacked up. I'd get this, I'd get this, you know, delivery. It was great. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand has the best food. But anyway. <laughs> I agree with Erin, sorry, no, I didn't say that. No, um, I did like some food from the UK and I did want to bring that here, but no, that's not allowed. What, 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 um, what food? It was the pasta. Um, oh, it was beautiful. Um, and I, I couldn't, I really wanted to bring it over here. And um, I did try it here, but it just didn't have the same taste. So yeah, it didn't have the same flavor, but that was a shame. Couldn't bring it over. Ah. New Zealand does have very strict import regulations, right? Particularly around food <laughs> and you'd get yourself in trouble. You get fined. Yeah, you would. Anyway, folks, sadly, we're going to have to bring this session to an end. We are running out of time. It's caught up with us. But I'd really like to thank you both so much. Um, thank you for your uh, interesting responses. I'd like to thank the interpreters, Anna, Kyra and Rebecca. Well done, folks. I know there's been quite a lot of technical hitches, but you have pulled it off. Well done. Well done, guys. <laughs> I really want to say thank you um, to your interpreters or however you sign interpreters for um, being able to interpret my sign language, <laughs> the mixture of my language. Yeah, interpreter, interpreter, no sign. Yeah. I like that sign, interpreter. Anyway. And thank you, Erin, as well. Thank you to you. Thank you, Erin. Thank you. And thank you to everybody watching and listening in our audience. I'd like to remind you that you can join in the conversation at hashtag thegreenroom underscore UK. And um, if you have any questions, any thoughts, any comments, um, if you want to talk about your favorite biscuits, and however, however you want to sign that, join in. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Guests. Laura Horhey and Rachel Fahey. Host, Erin Siobhan Hutching. Interpreters, Kyra Pollitt, Anna Kitson, and Rebecca Spencer. Music, Road Trips, Offshane. The Green Room, a video podcast produced by Strive, a collective made up of the DH Ensemble and Hot Coals Productions. You can find all the videos and audio recordings of this series at www.strivecollective.org forward slash the hyphen green hyphen room. Twitter at Strive Collective with no E. Hashtag the green room underscore UK. Celebrating best practice, spotlighting unsung heroes, inspiring action. Logos for Strive Hot Coals Productions and the DH Ensemble supported using public funding by Arts Council England.